Well, hello there, and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. The podcast that wants to be the very best like no one ever was. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is episode 47, and if you would like to listen to our previous episodes, including our one-year anniversary episode, well, it's a two-part episode, (laughs) Um, and it's an epic, and you won't listen to that one, you can find them on iTunes, on Stitcher, on podcast.com and on animationforadults.com. And I am Chris, and I am joined, as always, by Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello, Chris. How's it going? It's going great. How are you? I am all right. A bit <laughs> warm. <laughs> A bit warm. Yeah, summer has arrived today, or this weekend. Or it will, don't worry, it won't last. It won't last. Don't no. worry. <laughs> It's it's what you have to say. We go, oh, a bit hot today. Oh, I heard it won't last. That's the next thing you say. Uh, in England, obviously. Uh, <laughs> and Rachel. Hello, Rachel. Hi, Chris. How's it going? Uh, all right. Also, very warm over in the United States also. And uh, unfortunately, I think it is going to last all the way into August and into September, as it normally does. <laughs> oh. We're in for some... Hot, I feel like humid it, weather. I don't know whether I'm just like thinking like over time that didn't actually exist, like like like, uh, like racists do. Like, but but did it, did summers not used to be like that? I remember summers being like that. Yeah, Here? but really hot, just like, actually, hot, actually... For, hot for weeks. And not being able to escape it, and not being able to sleep because it was too hot. And yeah, I want heat that. waves. We've had them. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's 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 still cool enough for me to sleep, and for me, that's not hot enough. <laughs> <laughs> hey, for me, it's an excuse to go go to the pool uh, next door. Just nice. Like, uh, it's too hot. Time to go to the pool or the beach, wherever, wherever you can find water. But this isn't a podcast about weather, it's a podcast about animation! Yes! Uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. That's what we're going to talk about. And this is the start, I guess, of year two of the podcast! Woo! Yeah! yeah. Uh, and you may notice that the sound quality is different on this episode, because we are trying out a different uh, recording technique that hopefully will solve a lot of our problems that we've had, because... Try as hard as we can. We've had quite a few technical issues, and we've had some episodes that don't sound so great as others because we had issues, and we've even lost some episodes entirely because of problems, which is very, very annoying. Including, mm-hmm. in fact, we lost quite a bit of our um, <laughs> our uh, anniversary episode. It would have actually been like even longer than it was. Uh, yeah, because we. <laughs> We recorded quite a good bit. Like our first recording, went on for quite quite a while. It was a really really good conversation, and some a good majority of it, I think, made it into the final episode too, which was great. But there were a few little teeny bits that were very awesome that would have been great to include in the original recording, but unfortunately, technical issues kind of put a nix on that. Oh, that was a tricky edit. Oh, that was a tricky edit. That took a long which time. Which is why, Chris, I bow <laughs> to you and your editing expertise because you still you, you were able to salvage all of that thank you 
It was so it's stuffed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was fine uh, in the end. Um, so yeah, so listen to that, please, because a lot of work's gone into that. <laughs> please and thank you. Um, and uh, we did put out two episodes, but also you can download the whole episode, the whole three hours and forty minutes of it, <laughs> if you prefer to listen to it that way, uh, on our Patreon page. And it is actually, you can just download it for free. You don't have to be a patron. But while you're there, if you want to become a patron, and then you can help support us and make help us make new stuff. And you will get some bonus stuff, including extended episodes and bonus episodes coming up. And even more in the pipeline that we will be able to reveal in the near future. Um, so if you would like to help us create even more awesome stuff, then head over to our Patreon, which you'll find the link in the show notes and and all over the place. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so this week uh, we're going to talk some animation news and stuff we've been watching, and that's about it, because, uh, like I said, it was a big old episode last week, so we're having a bit of a lighter one this week. Um, but it's still going to be great. Yeah. Oh, okay, because there's a, there's a lot to talk about. We we got mm. a lot of different things to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. So mm. it's a bit of a bit of variety show this week. Tease. Mm. Like, <laughs> good, good to have those every now and again. Keep you on. Your Indeed. Toes. Indeed. Um, so, animation news is a good place to start. All right. What's going on? Well, uh, last week uh, we did talk about. The Secret Life of Pets coming out and opening very, 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 very big. Um, well, it um, it actually earned a bit more than it was originally predicted, and it ended up in, uh, I believe, ninety-three billion dollar opening weekend, or uh, which is pretty insane, uh, mm, especially. Yeah. And it was like the biggest original animation opening as in it's not a sequel it's not an adaptation it's not a spin-off um which earlier in the year zootopia also got that accolade and it's already lost it to the secret life of pets um so that's be doing well and also uh life uh, life of dory (laughs) the life of dory um Finding Dory uh, has also been continued to do well and has then gone on to be not only the biggest uh, release in the US all year. No, wait. Yeah? Yeah? Yes. (laughs) It has gone on to become the biggest domestic uh, release in the US of 2016 so far. It's surpassed Captain America Civil War. um, And it has also become the biggest animation film released in the US, full stop, and has beaten Shrek 2. So, I never that... thought the day would come. It was just... And I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm still glad. I'm glad it's Dory. If anyone was going to make the way... Dory and Pixar made the way to the top of the chart, and I'm really, really pleased by that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people... Dory, Dory could definitely have Shrek. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's underwater, then there's definitely got the advantage. Dory wins! 
But then again, if it's on land, uh, <laughs> then Dory still probably Dory still win. <laughs> she has found a way to work around using uh, work around having to do stuff on land. Come on. I wouldn't know. Oh, uh, <laughs> haven't seen it. Well, you'll see uh, it soon. I know. Uh, it, yeah, so I think people are kind of taken aback by quite how popular it's been. But what a lot of people probably don't realise is that Finding Nemo was Pixar's biggest hit outside the Toy Story films. Mm-hmm. And so, it, yeah, it's kind of just par for the course. So it makes sense that, you know, like 13 years later, <laughs> the sequel should do a lot of money. Still and on top. Apparently, it, it's done particularly well with female audiences, apparently. Hmm. So some of the people, some of the statistics have been investigated. So How do they know that? Are they lady cinemas or something? <laughs> lady cinema. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Oh my How do they know who's buying the tickets? Okay, so last week uh, we talked about how the uh, how Secret Life of Pets had opened huge, um, and it in the US it had made uh, uh, they'd thought about ninety ninety three million dollars. Where it actually opened uh, even a bit more than it was predicted. Uh, so it become really successful and it was in fact the best opening for a original animated film as in it's not a sequel it's not inspired by anything else or it isn't a um isn't a uh spin-off or anything like that um although people might say it's it's kind of inspired by toy story the plot uh-huh, uh-huh. I, 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 I don't know uh, <laughs> um and also, Finding Dory has continued to do really well, and in fact has now become the biggest release in the US all year, and has beaten Captain America Civil War, and is also the biggest grossing animated film in the US ever released domestically. So The fact that it beat a Marvel, one of the big, big guns Marvel movies, is really impressive. I mean, in and of itself, but then again, just... I didn't think anything was going to take uh, Shrek 2 down from the, uh, like, <laughs> biggest, you know, sell, you know, animated film, but it finally went and happened, because, well, at least I didn't, I, th- I didn't think I was going to take it down, because, you know, of all these other really great films that have come out recently, it's like, they didn't, even, they didn't do it, so it's like, well, who, which, which film would take, finally take it down, and it ended up being Finding Dory, and you know what? I'm kind of happy about that. I think people... People are surprised at how successful it's been, but what a lot of people might not know is that Finding Nemo was actually Pixar's biggest film outside the Toy Story trilogy. So mm-hmm. up until now, so it's got a lot. A lot of people are attached to that film, and it's apparently been doing really well, particularly with like it's done as well with adult audiences as it has with like the family audience because people grown up with it. And it's been like selling out in evenings as well as like, you know, family friendly showing times. Hmm. So, and I know you both enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen it myself. Uh, you will soon, Chris. I promise. I you will. will soon. I will one day. One day. But yeah, <laughs> Fighting Dory is, is a big 
big, big hit. And it's interesting because uh, basically the biggest hits of the year so far have mainly been animated. Because um, there's been Zootopia, there's been Secret Life of Pets and Finding Dory, and, well, Jungle Book as well was, was yeah, a big hit. That, that's technically an animated film. Yeah. So, and there's been a lot of, like, big high-profile Hollywood films that have underperformed, that haven't done nearly as well as they're expecting, like, like sequels to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Thank God that didn't do so well. <laughs> In- Independence, yeah, Independence Day. 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 Who would have thought that no one wanted that? Um <laughs> Well, actually, I, actually, you know the th- the thing is, Rachel. The thing you're saying about all these, the Marvel movies not beating it out. When you think about it in sheer terms of like families going mm-hmm. to see it, I think there are going to be more families going to see a sequel to a Pixar movie than there are going to be, you know, families of four, five plus people going to see Winter Soldier. Uh, going to see Civil War. That's fair. Yeah. It's going to be a lot more individual. Those family tickets, that kind of movie, more individual fans. Yeah, those those family days days at the cinema really add up Mm -hmm. on on both ends of the box office and poor old mum and dad pockets. Yeah, they have to have to remortgage the house to go and see a film these days. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah, Uh, it's ridiculous. uh, (laughs) um, Especially if it's in three D, eh? Oh yes, um, yes, but it. It's interesting because a lot at the start of the year there was like, what's with all the talking animal movies? What's with all the talking animal movies? I mean, why why so many talking animal movies? And what's wrong what, with that? One of the big hits of the year, mainly talking animal movies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. people were actually saying, hey, what's with all these people in all these other films? I'm <laughs> sick of people. I mean. Yeah, all these people. Well, I I saw something in the week where someone was saying someone was kind of theorizing that with 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 current events being so depressing, <laughs> people are going for like the most extreme form of um, escapism, and that's kind of talking animal movies. It kind of is. When you think of it, like going to see Finding Dory, like that's a completely different world. Mm-hmm. Same with Zootopia. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Secret I Life of Pets, Pets, I guess, also falls into that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially Secret Life of Pets, because it really... Um, and, and Finding Dory, I guess, as well. But Secret Life of Pets more so really just is advertising itself as a fun like comedy. Mm. Oh, I saw... Uh, it might have been uh, Cartoon Brew, actually, compla- complaining where someone... Uh, about a review of Secret Life of Pets somewhere where someone was saying, oh, well, it didn't make me cry like a Pixar movie. And like, but it's not supposed to be. It's a comedy film. And animation is not a genre. It does not all have to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I know, you wouldn't you wouldn't walk out of, like, Austin Powers complaining that you didn't cry. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Hey, nice, nice um, topical reference there. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, I know. Where did that come from? <laughs> Austin Powers. 1997, what is this? <laughs> Sorry. It's alright, it's alright. <laughs> that was mean. <laughs> alright. 
All right. Well, I okay. Name a funny movie from the last five years that was in a similar vein. I came out of Hollywood. Mm, blanking. That's all I've seen are animated films. So <laughs> won't help. Uh, Ghostbusters. <laughs> Bright bridesmaids. Bright. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fair point. Um, <laughs> 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 but yeah, lots of people are going to see animated movies, and it's good for us, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and um, it means more animated movies are going to get made. Hey, um, <laughs> absolutely. Probably does mean lots more talking animal movies because hey, they they sell. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it at least means Secret Life of Pets is going to be a franchise, and it's probably going to be a Finding Dory free. But. Um, <laughs> Because that's the way Hollywood learns. It go. It doesn't go. Hey. It doesn't. It doesn't go. Hey, this female-led uh, film is really successful. Let's make more female-led films. It goes. Let's make a sequel to that film. Or, hey, that film had a love triangle. In it. Love triangles must be what people like. Let's make films about love triangles, etc. Right. Like. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> Yeah. And then Funny I'll Dory. just enjoy the movies I want to enjoy and pretend the others don't even exist. Mm-hmm. Which, which even works like in film series, like those um, three Indiana Jones movies they made. Oh, um, right. They, they only made the three. One of them wasn't so great, but still they made three. Um, I've had, they were talking about making another one. I don't, don't know if that... Hang on, they did, they did make yeah, four. Yeah, they did. No... Oh, no, no, they, they didn't. Sorry, sorry. I, I, I saw it, and they definitely okay, does not sorry, exist. Okay. See, see. Okay, okay. You... Okay, sorry, sorry. It, it's, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. I'm, I'm saying I, I deleted it from my memory because it's painful. <laughs> yep, yep. I think most other people have as well. To be honest mm. with you, people are like, oh, they're going to make a fourth one. Oh wait, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's not real it's just it's your imagining things hey hey talking of Indiana Jones and Lucasfilm mm, hey segway um, this weekend has been well the weekend we're recording this I don't know when the episode's going to come out because yeah whatever <laughs> the weekend we're recording this is the Star Wars celebration in London where they are doing lots of celebrating of Star Wars um, I guess <laughs> that doesn't happen nearly enough. No, nowadays. it doesn't. I'm and from to see it. the clips that I've seen of the celebration, it looks like they're having they were having a ball. Just like I wish I was in London right now. I mean, we you just having one Star Wars day enough of the year is not enough. So no. you have to have Star Wars celebration as well. Um, yeah, it's 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 more of a um, it's it's more of basically. Lots of big companies are slowly backing out of Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Like Disney doesn't do Comic Con anymore. It does D twenty three, and also um, there are. I think there's a Marvel event as well at some point in the year, and their their sort of big announcements are done now at Star Wars Celebration. Yeah, they're, tra- they're, they're each having their own unique events to uh, make their big announcements for the franchise, whereas opposed to just having everything be at Comic-Con and just have this one huge jumble of everything. I mean, if everyone keeps backing out of Comic-Con, they'll have to start talking about comics or something. I mean, what? I know, what? right? What the hell? <laughs> what a concept. 
that they couldn't have a whole convention just about comics. I mean, come on. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think I think they they could manage. There's there are enough different comic series out there, like not just the big ones with DC and Marvel, but also you've got well, yeah, but also all the independently made ones. I would like to see get more exposure there. So who knows? Yeah, I'm just I'm just making a joke based on the fact that it's hardly about comics anymore. Aha, uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. Since Hollywood took it over and it's all, hey, look, here's a new film. Um, yeah, so so celebrations happening, and why are we talking about that? Because they have had they have had an event about Star Wars Rebels, the recent animated TV series. Yeah. On Disney XD, they and had a whole they panel. had. They had a whole panel, and they released a new trailer for season three that I know, Rachel, you watched. Yes, I. they released a full trailer of season three and also a couple of individual clips from season three that they were had ready to present to the public, which I have also seen. Um, uh-huh. And, yeah, this is... I really like the way they're building up this season. I mean, considering the big, huge bombshell that season two ended on, it's interesting to get a, a new look and to see how the that whole event has changed the characters. And uh, it's definitely been a bit of a time skip. The Ezra's definitely grown quite a bit. He's gotten a haircut. Uh, things have happened with Kanan, and he's you know learning to adapt to that. He's changed a bit, and Sabine seems to have gone through another. Co- uh, well, I want to say wouldn't say wardrobe change, but she's changed her look once again. Which it seems to be a running thing from season to season, and uh, yeah, it's they're they're really throwing a lot of really cool twists into this season. I think they've got um, what else? What was the big ones? One of the big biggest announcements that I think a lot of Star Wars uh, expanding universe fans that got everyone really super excited was uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, who was a character, a very popular character from one of the book series that came out way back, way back for Star Wars is actually getting a canonical appearance into this series, which, uh, if I recall correctly from the uh, panel, basically the entire crowd went absolutely freaking nuts when he came on screen. So, you've got that. That's really you've, cool. <laughs> you've got that, which is really, Did... really super awesome. So is is Rebels canon? Yeah, that's it's because it's tied to the whole Disney continuity. <laughs> they are trying to make it canon with they they are making it canon with uh, ties to um, the what was it the Rogue One film that's going to be coming out in, uh, soon, and then just the other movies going forward. So I think yeah, it's it's, it's pretty much included in the official canon at this point. Which with all the interesting things that uh, Dave Filoni and his uh, talented crew are doing i'm really super excited to see and you know also let's see what was the other thing i wanted to mention um also i'm tied to kind of tied to what i'm going to be talking about in a second that i thought was really cool that rebels is doing in terms of themes uh is i love it how like with this three the three different seasons of rebels that they're doing it's like, the first season was very kind of very in the veins thematically of the very first Star Wars film, A New Hope. It's very kind of lighthearted, you know, got some, you know, really intense action, but also in, in introducing more of the mythos of the series. Season two has kind of showing the odds of all the characters 
you know, what they have to go up against with all the Inquisitors and Darth Vader and had a very dark climax. And now it looks like very kind of this vein of the, the third and final of the main trilogy movies. This season looks like it's going to be kind of a balance between, you know, light side, dark side of the force. And ultimately our main character looks like he might have to choose after having experienced both to see which path he wants to go on. And, uh, it looks like that, um, one of the characters they introduced was, uh, called the Bendu, and it's voiced by Mr. Tom Baker, which is going to be a character that's going to kind of represent the middle path, which is going to be very, very interesting to see. That was the bit I was excited about, just yeah. hearing Tom's ba- Tom Baker's voice in the trailer. I was like, oh my god, that's Tom Baker. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's just got one of the greatest voices. He He really does. Yeah. That's going to be great. Rachel, what is the middle path? The middle path. It's basically, it, it's really an aspect of the Star Wars mythos that hasn't been really explored yet. It's because it's always been predominantly, you know, light side, dark side of the force. But there are distinctions mm. between, um, like, sometimes little, like, they're characters that do kind of represent, like, a best of both worlds kind of idea. And it's, and it's been dabbled in Star Wars before, but not really at least not too much in the films but like in some of like the expanded universe and uh video games and what have you and just it's really cool that i that they're it looks like they might be trying to maybe kind of give an idea like okay well we've got these two opposing forces what is the what is the element that binds them together is really Mm. is what i think they're going for because they 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 kind of did that in uh, or did a representation of that in uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars during the uh, uh, Mortis trilogy. Because you had two characters that were supposed to represent both light and dark sides of the Force, but there was one individual that was supposed to uh, basically keep the two in balance with each other. And they they used that as a parallel with uh, Anakin Skywalker's character, as he was supposed to be the the next person to be able to do right. that, be able to keep the two force, you know, the two sides of the force in balance. But obviously, as we all know, that doesn't really happen, at least not right away. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just, I would like to think, at least in the terms of the whole, you know, ultimate, you know, teasing in this trailer, then, you know, is, as we're going to be, you know, follow Kanan's teachings and follow the light side of the force or be seduced by the dark side. Part, I've got this feeling in my gut that just basically telling me that, I don't know, Ezra seems the kind of like the characters, like, if the other way was presented to him, I think he might go with that one. <laughs> go with his own way and not anyone else's. But I don't I'm, know. Go ahead. I'm I'm behind. I've only seen a bit of series one, and I liked mm. it, but I'm I'm behind, so I don't... I could... Yeah, I'm in the I'm in the same boat as you, Chris. And I didn't see any of Clone Wars either. I watched I watched the original movie. The original movie. The, they did the they did like a two hour movie before they did the TV series. Mm-hmm. And I heard the series was better, but the movie yeah. was just a bit <laughs> just a bit. Meh. So in terms of the Clone the Wars, the last thing yeah. I saw of Clone Wars was the Gandhi Tartakovsky. Oh, that was amazing! That was actually released in between. Uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yes, Kenny Tartofsky's show is amazing, and 
um, the television series that uh, Dave Filoni started, um, you know, starting with that movie, really, I think, took a lot of inspiration from what Gendy did, at least in terms of oh, style. Oh, yeah, clearly, yeah. And uh, it definitely, like, it, it's... Clone Wars is definitely a slow-to-start show, but, like, once you get into, the like, the later seasons, you do... It really just kind of hits a really good stride and then just kind of takes you all the way to the very last episode of the show. And then Rebels just kind of took... Like, basically, it, had the, it has the quality of those later seasons of Clone Wars and it just kind of kept, you know, steamrolling on. And you don't really have to see Clone Wars that much... I don't think, in order to get, you know, the full appreciation of what they did or what they're carrying over into Rebels with. But there are a couple episodes, especially the the later ones uh, with Ahsoka Tano, that would would definitely benefit, uh, you know, you if you decide to watch the second season of Rebels. Because then the emotional payoff isn't as good. I, I remember just thinking it was the most Star Wars-y film thing I'd seen in years, like... Prior to seeing episode seven, obviously, but yeah. it was it was like this is the most authentically Star Wars feel, thing I've seen in a long time. So mm-hmm. yeah, I I had I had that reaction too. I was like, oh wow, these these guys have clearly like studied the old films and like the cinematic language they're using and the way things are paced is like was eerily like the first movie. Mm-hmm. And I really, I really like that. Yeah, and the the finale for season two, like even though it was definitely like a, it was definitely a darker setting. Like the entire time I was watching, like those last couple minutes, it it really felt like I was watching Empire Strikes Back again. With especially when any any time Vader showed himself, it was basically just like, oh gosh, Empire's it's the same kind of chill you get going down your spine when you see this iconic villain, just as you did when the first since the first time you saw him really kind of cut loose. Just I I couldn't I couldn't believe it. Like they got like every single like powerful swing of his lightsaber. Just like you really felt like the kind of the brute force behind it. It was just like kind of like he did in the in the live action films, which was just awesome to see. Yeah, actually, that was something I really liked about the Force Awakens was the lightsaber battles were not these impossibly polished like choreographed uh, kendo fights. Yeah, like they were scrappy, desperate duels, mm-hmm. like fought by people who didn't quite, who weren't experts, who weren't uh, like masters mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. So, um, Star Wars Rebels season three is going to start in the this coming autumn slash fall. Yeah, you people would say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, See, I, I tried to translate for the majority of our audience. Um, <laughs> and that will be going on Disney XD. And you can watch the trailer and the clips online. Um, and I'm sure we will put those those notes, those in the show notes. Yep. Um, and I can give you the links to the clips. Yeah. So, um, moving on, uh, the Red Turtle is a film we're very excited about about around here, oh, um, yes. which is the Michael Dudok DeWitt Studio Ghibli co-production that looks absolutely beautiful, um, and it is definitely coming out in the US via Sony Classics, 
Well, we now know when that's going to be. It's going to be January 20th, 2017. Uh, we do not know yet how wide the release is going to be, but that is the opening date um, confirmed by um, the distributor. But what we wonder is if there will be any other screenings before that in America, because if they want it to be eligible for the Oscars next year, then they will have to do some screenings in like LA and New York before then. So mm-hmm. keep it. Mm. I'm sure that's something that they're working on and are keenly aware of. Unless they want to save it for the year after, because because this year is going to be quite a competition with. Finding Dory, Zootopia, Moana. I mean, it it could be, but in terms of counter programming, so to speak, you know, though the 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 obvious picks for the animation Oscar this year are big movies. Mm-hmm. But are there are, are there many independent uh, animated features that are likely to pose pose a threat? What to the Red Turtle? Uh, well. That, mm. or, or, or pose a threat just to Finding Dory and, and uh, Moana and Zootopia. No, because Disney's going to win every year. Disney or Pixar. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, yeah. they're, they're, the standard, are we going to have two G-Kid slots this year? I don't know. It seems less likely, I think, because of the um, big competition. Uh, because the Academy's would... stuck in a rut. 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 Well, it's... it's, it's <laughs> Yeah, it's not really competition at this point, is it? It's more uh, humiliation and I don't know. Not not humiliation because that's kind of implying that the Oscars matter, which they don't. But well, as we've said, when it comes to animation, the nomination is kind of the big deal, and it help it helps yeah, it helps people like Cartoon Saloon if they get a nomination. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm. I'm all for that. Um, so, yeah, G- January 20th, 2017, in the US. Uh, uh, we haven't got a UK release date yet, or we don't know of a UK distributor, I don't think. Do we? No? No, I'd be su- I'm keeping an eye on it, and I would be surprised if it doesn't play at the LFF in October. Ah, okay. That seems like the sort of thing that would do very well there. But so Sony, when they picked it up, they didn't didn't pick it up for the UK, even though obviously Sony released films in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. So it could be that someone else has already got it, such as Studio Canal or someone like that. So we shall see. Perhaps. Or perhaps they just decided, no, they can't be bothered to give it to us because they're mean. I don't know. <laughs> and to which I say, boo, good sir, boo. Okay. More news. Um, where was I going with that? More news. Emmy. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say right. Emmys, maybe? Okay. We were talking about awards. Another segue. Um Coming up in September are the Prime Term Emmy Awards, which means it's time for the nominations to come out about now. And they have done. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really smooth today. Really it's smooth. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, and 
in this year's uh, animation-related categories, there is the Outstanding Animation Program, and the nominees are Phineas and Ferb for The Last Day of Summer, which is the gra- series' grand finale, um, and the rest of, rest of all the nominations in that category are adult animation. So there's Archer, South Park, Bob's Burgers, and The Simpsons. Um, and then the other category is Animated Short Program, and Robot Chicken is the only adult one in that one, and the rest of them are the mainly Cartoon Network. There's Adventure Time, Steven Universe, Powerpuff Girls Reboot, and also SpongeBob SquarePants from Nickelodeon. Hmm. Yeah. And in the voiceover category, Matt Stone and Trey Parker are nominated for South Park. Seth MacFarlane is nominated for Family Guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, Keegan Mike. Keegan Michael Key and Chris Pine are nominated for Super Mansion, which I am sorry I am not aware of. <laughs> sorry, haven't heard of it. Do you know anything about that? Mm, no, unfortunately. It is okay. Let's 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 guess. Is it about superheroes who all shack up together in a mansion? Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. Uh, sure. Um. One notable thing about the voiceover category is all male. Not a single lady anywhere there at all. I so find that a little odd. They normally nominate someone for, for, for The Simpsons, and they haven't this year, and they also haven't nominated anyone who is a lady at all in any description. I don't mm. Babble, 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 babble. It's all right. I also find it odd, distinctly odd that, I mean, I'm glad Phineas and Ferb are getting a nomination or, a, you know, a nomination for uh, their finale because they deserve it. But I'm also questioning why I don't see Gravity Falls, his own finale, nominated here as well. Because that, that was a pretty big freaking deal. Yeah, I'm... We weren't entirely sure, like, the eligibility thing, but we think that it should probably be eligible for this year. I would, I would like uh, to think so. When did it air? Was it... No, wait, was it this February? Was I'm it this year? Because it, it was spread out. It was the, the different episodes were spread out, so I'm pretty sure the, the finale... Yeah, the finale, the very last episode came out this February. So that's, that'll probably be eligible for next year. Because hmm. this, this, or do they do? Do they go from like summer to summer? Because it's TV seasons. I don't know. So that's, that's the nominations, um, and like we said, some disappointing uh, omissions if they are eligible. Rick and Morty as well. We also think that should be there. Uh, well, Dan and I definitely do. Um, Archer being there is great. Uh, Simpsons, no South Park being there is good. Uh, obviously, <laughs> Bob's Burgers. So uh, yeah, no nomination I see in the in the voice acting for um, H. John Benjamin when he's in the two two of the um, nominated shows hmm. playing different characters with pretty much the same voice <laughs> <laughs> and being distinctive. Yeah, they're distinctive characters, so that's good voice acting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, is Seth MacFarlane really better than everyone else? No. No, he, he's he, not. He'd like to think so, I'm sure, but... Is yeah. It, I mean, are you really saying that Seth MacFarlane's performance, 
any of his performances in in Family Guy is better than everyone in The Simpsons. However, even if Simpsons isn't as good as it used to be, still the voice acting is great, and they're all pretty much better than Seth Poland. Uh <laughs> just doing the same thing that he's been doing. Same, same. Voice. Who who's it? Who runs the Emmys? Is it a, is it a shady organization like the? from Hollywood Foreign Press Association kind of deal. It's the Television Academy, who, who, I believe. Television Academy. Yeah. So, you know, maybe there is some uh, behind-the-scenes politics that we're not clued into. Yeah, maybe. That 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 is giving a reason why, for some reason, like Disney or, I don't know, Adult Swim are being... Mm. Ignored. Yeah, I don't know. That's a fair point. I mean, but you're but you're but you're right. It still doesn't quite account for the voice actor nominations, really. I mean, there are plenty of and, great women voice actors that deserve some deserve their due credit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, think about um, Kristen Shaw, for example. <laughs> Just uh, take off the top of yeah, my head. Uh, yeah, she's amazing in all her voice. I well. Even you know Bob's Burgers or Gravity Falls, she's just great generally all round. <laughs> yeah. And then you know there's the the lady who plays Linda and, and Tina in Bob's Burgers. Um, <coughs> yeah, is it? Oh, I did that. <laughs> yeah, both men. <laughs> uh, sorry. No. Yeah. My point stands. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Not not. I'm not saying they're good voice actors female voice actors because they're not obviously uh-huh. I'm just I'm making a terrible joke I'm sorry <laughs> it's alright you tried yeah but I, I I would say Kristen Shaw should be in there definitely you ask me like among other that, awesome people yes and yeah so that's going to be September 18th 2016 we'll find out who wins and last year, they actually gave the Outstanding Animated Program to uh, Over the Garden Wall. So, it's not necessary, necessarily that it's just going to go to The Simpsons every year. So, who knows? <laughs> okay, and another story is that the French animated film Phantom Boy, which is being is, uh, coming from G-Kids. Who else? Um... <laughs> Is and this is from the makers of A Cat in Paris, which was a 2D animated film that was nominated for an Oscar in, I think, like 2009 or thereabouts. Yeah, it was around that time, I think. It, it might be, I think it might have been the same year as, um, oh, it was the same year as something else. Was it Chico and Rita or was it uh, Secret Kells? One of them, because um, there was one year where it was really. One of the G Kids double years. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it is opening in. Well, it's opened now in New York, in fact, and it will be opening in LA next week. Um, as I say this, <laughs> I should actually say what what week that is. Um, it's opening on. Is it the twenty second? Is that next Friday? Let me see. Yeah. Yes, it is. 22nd in LA, and then the week after that, it's opening in a bunch of other places, and you could, including such places, yeah, July 
29th it is opening in Toronto, San Diego, uh, San Francisco, Boston, Philadelphia, Washington, Portland, Austin, Phoenix, Denver, Minneapolis, Cincinnati and Vancouver. And then August 5th it's opening in more places around the US and Canada. And it's continuing to open in more places right through till September. And um, it has got a new dub produced by G-Kids, which features the voices of... Um, here we go. Featuring the voices of Fred Armisen, Jared Padalecki and Vincent D'Onofrio. And we have, also, we have published a review of that on the website quite a while ago, written by Joe, and he really liked it. Um, he got a chance to see it in Chicago, uh, obviously before the wide opening um, and so if you want to check that out and it's playing near you go and have a look and you can see the list on AFA and it will be updated over time as normal with G-Kids films they add more films as they add more screenings as the film carries on if it picks up more interest and stuff so so go out and see it. Okay, I think that does us for news this week. I think it's time for us to talk a bit about what we've been watching. All right. So who wants to go first? Shall I go first? Or Raise your hand I'll if go. you want to go first. <laughs> yeah, you could, you could do that now. We could yeah. do that. We, 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 yeah, using our new system, we can actually see who's raising their yeah. hand. It's really cool. Yeah. We're not using video either. No. So. We are, we we each have a little mechanical hand now installed on our desktop. Except I don't. No, we have three. We have we have three mechanical hands <laughs> installed on 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 our desktops, and each one of us sends a signal through, and the little like paddle pop, pops up, like one of those old um, like cashier registers. <laughs> yep, basically. And and that's how we podcast. That's how we are attempting what? to podcast if, if everything goes well. <laughs> Think we still haven't figured out who's going. First. Though I, I I would like Chris if I would take a personal opinion. I would like Chris to go first because there was something he mentioned before I we started too. recording that he had seen this week, <laughs> yeah. and I would love to hear more of. I've, so I'm raising my hand for yeah, Chris to go I'm, first. <laughs> so Chris, well, I think the floor is yours. Well, I, I will talk about that thing that you, the aforementioned thing, in a minute. <laughs> I, I, yeah, serious. I will. Um, but there is, I've only really sort of seen a couple of relevant things this week. Um, and the first thing I watched, I know Dan watched as well, and that was the pilot of a show called Harmon Quest. And this is a show from the creator of. Uh, Rick and Morty and well the co-creator of Rick and Morty and community Dan Harmon and the animation is done by Starburns the people behind Rick and Rick and Morty and also Anomalisa and uh, Moral Oral and the animated episodes of community um I and animals I believe as yes. well HBO's animals yes. um so I think you can correct me if my setup isn't right. I think as part Dan Harmon has a podcast called Harmontown and occasionally 
I don't know why they play D and D as part of the show. I know why. why. Why? It's it's got it's a really cool backstory. Well, it's kind of cool. <laughs> early on, they so early on in his podcast, he was just struggling to find ways to finish. <laughs> Like he, because he would get very guilty, and he'd be like, "Oh God, you lovely people, you've paid ten dollars to see this, and we haven't got to finish." And it's all it's all improvised anyway. It's not like a like a tight show. I mean, not like this. And he was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he and 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 Harmon uh, one episode just went, "Ah, oh, it would be really cool if we could play D and D because you know I I used to love playing D and D, and I think it's kind of worked for improvisation and." Who's who's got any dice? <laughs> just just as a joke, he said <laughs> that, and this guy in the crowd put his hand up and and he came on stage and he said, "Do you know what? I came out tonight hoping that you would need a dungeon master, and I'm a dungeon <laughs> master, and I have dice." And they and he's called Spencer, and he he just came out on on that completely random hope that they would need a dungeon master and they did and now he's like one of the team he's like dan Harmon's right hand man he's been with him for like five years or something and he apparently he drives him everywhere oh i watched Harmon town the documentary yeah 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 he's he's mm-hmm. he's on that and but but he he writes all of the D scenarios that they play on Harmon town and he also wrote Harmon quest so all of the scenarios in Harmon Quest were written by Spencer Crittenden. So what happens is this is so they're in a studio playing Dungeons and Dragons uh, with this Spencer guy. Was it Spencer? Crittenden yeah. and Dan Harmon and a couple of guests each time. Uh, well, there's there's one other regular guy, isn't there? Who's part of the show? That, I, I think I think Jeff Davis um, from uh, who people might recognise from uh, Who's Line is it anyway? <laughs> and um, oh my goodness, Erin McGathy, uh, Harmon's ex-wife. I don't I don't think they were. I can't tell if they were married when it was being recorded, but I think those two are regulars. And there's one guest star each. Okay. Week. And they play D and D, which I have to say I don't really know anything about. I've just I've just seen it in Community, and um, oh, I liked the old cartoon uh, when I was little. Uh, <laughs> hated the movie. Uh, As you rightly um, should. It is dreadful, and um, I've seen that episode of the IT Crowd. They go. That was amazing, <laughs> with, um, with Moss being the dungeon master, and and um, really, and, you uh, could do a whole college course on what Dungeons and Dragons is about. There's really just like so much stuff to it that just it's really, really hard to learn everything there is. It really varies from game to game, as far as I'm aware. But so I, I think on the podcast, the best thing that Spencer did was to popularize mm-hmm. it because he he's like a real D uh like aficionado he knows all the rules inside out back to front but he had to present these scenarios to you know too cool for you comedy guys who were just 
who just needed to be given the character sheets and get on with it so they could tell like kind of a funny little improvised story well it seems a so, so it's quite accessible i think the version of D that he presents hmm. it it seems a bit less random you know when you consider the the D episodes of community so it's not like it's just like out of nowhere that he's doing this D D thing um so basically the setup of the show is they're doing the D D in a studio like that's live action but the the um the what's happening in in the game is presented in animated form with you know in this the D D realm whatever it's called mm. with animated versions of the characters and basically this series is done for a subscription service called CISO, that's comedy comedy subscription service. But the first episode is on YouTube, at the and it, apparently Dan said you can't get CISO in the UK, so it's the only episode that I can watch. Um, yeah, it was quite funny. <laughs> like I said, I don't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons, but I like Dan Harmon. And it was amusing, and it also it had Mr. Peanut Butter in it. So hey, Paul F. Tompkins, yes, him, <laughs> who was an who was who was an improv like master. So if 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 that's any indication of the sorts of people that they're going to be having on, I think they'll be having lots of like familiar faces from the U.S. like improv scene. I did see who someone else was in another episode, and I can't remember who it was, but it was someone. I was like, "Oh wow, that's an awesome person," <laughs> mm. who I now can't remember. So that was that's fun. Um, oh, I think I think I noticed. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. Kumail, Kumail, someone. He's in Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah, he's in Silicon Valley, which I've just started watching. Ah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's and he's a great comedian mm-hmm. check out his stand-up he's really good and he's also he's also um a semi-regular on harmontown the podcast. Oh, sweet and he's played D on the podcast before. nice um yeah I, it's a really cool vibe to the show i really like it it's it kind of reminds me a little bit of the ricky gervais podcast how it's using animation to mm-hmm. uh like illust- it's it's using animation but it's it's uh the audio has got the timing of something that's yeah. live yeah it's also a bit like the Rick and Morty um improvised episodes a little bit as well yeah, yeah. so it's got connection with both those things and yeah it's the pilot is on youtube if you want to check it out and it's pretty fun <laughs> um <laughs> So, I watched something else that was not not actually animation, but I think you'll forgive me for talking about it. It's on Crunchyroll, a site that is mainly animation, and it is related to animation. Kind of. Yeah, it is a series called Thunderbolt Fantasy, and it is a puppet show, um... Marionettes type puppet show, Thunderbolt. When you say when you say puppet show, you make it. It sounds like you've been sat watching Punch and Judy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's it's impossible to say puppet show without. That's the way to do it. No, it is actually like you know 
as in Thunderbirds type puppets, if you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Um, Super Mario Super Nation. Ma- but it isn't in Super Mario Nation. Um, it is its own no. style of marionettes. And it is a Japanese show made with marionettes. And it is a... Um, I believe it's set in ancient China rather than Japan. Um, the, like the Warring States period, is that what it's called? Um, oh, really? What's what's the show called? Thunderbolt Fantasy. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Thunderbolt Fantasy. It's streaming on Crunchyroll. That sounds special. Yeah. Um, and it's not quite like anything you've seen before because <laughs> it is a it is a it's a marionette martial arts action <laughs> so you've got action sequences with puppets um oh with swords having fights and blood going everywhere <gasps> and big action sequences and and like like and you've got <laughs> like the camera zooming around and doing doing um it's like watching you know like a a mo- like a yeah, film. basically oh but goodness. with puppets and <laughs> there's like the main character i i blink like the main character's like a samurai guy from japan i think i cuz i can't tell you a whole lot about the plot because i was just like i was just <laughs> just mesmerized by the whole spectacle really yes basically <laughs> that sums it up i was just like there are marionettes fighting with swords. <laughs> and when you when you said there's blood, is it like digital blood streams of ribbon? Oh, digital. Yeah, okay. it's the only way they could do it, I think. Um, okay. Yeah, but you get. I was I was imagining something a little more like operatic. <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> yeah, operatic well, but, puppets. But you get these big action set pieces, and um, like the. The uh, puppet design's pretty interesting. They look sort of like... They're basically like... Um, sort of anime-style pretty boys, mainly. Um, oh, my God! They're Bishonen! Pretty much, yes. Ah! Uh, they they look a little bit like the, the sorts of... Um, the decorative, like, doll... I don't know what to call them. Puppets that were very popular, like, a few years mm-hmm. ago. Out of Japan. Yeah. Oh my goodness, this just, this just sounds like so much fun. Basically, it's puppets fighting with swords and doing martial arts sequences and with, as, yeah, in like, imagine Hero with puppets or something like that, or House of Flying Daggers (laughs) with puppets and you won't be far off. Sounds awesome. Dynasty Warriors, it's pretty amazing. Um, I got, so. I got to ask: is it, is it good? Beyond that, beyond the, um, the visuals of the style, is it? Can you follow it? Like I said, I don't really know what's going on because <laughs> I'm just going, oh, oh my god, what's going on? It's just, it's just, I, I, yeah. I get, the, I get something of an impression that, like Dynasty Warriors. Um, because Genesis Warriors kind of works because in Japan there's slightly more familiarity with the the period of uh, Chinese history that it's mm-hmm. kind of playing off. So yeah. I think 
as 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 I understand it, these things worked because these things work in the same way that Shakespeare kind of does in that, like uh, uh, that's to say, modern Shakespeare, how mm-hmm. it's kind of slight reworkings of familiar characters. Yeah. So I think I, I, I it strikes me as something that would require a little understanding, uh, a little sort of context of these Chinese characters that they're playing around with. But well, I haven't read up on anything, so I don't know if okay. these are from, these are established characters or whether it's created for the show or what. Um, basically, it could be complete fantasy and stuff and basically at the end of the episode you get introduced to the villains and I think that sort of shows you more where it's going because they're sort of in a big mounted layer and they're a lot of the um, villains like the designs and stuff like oh that there's a weird goth person and they've got weird flying creatures and you go oh it's going into them it's going in sort of more fantasy direction than at first it seems where mm. it seemed more like a straightforward martial arts fighting show but it's got puppets <laughs> you say mountain lair and i immediately want to say meanwhile at the legion of doom <laughs> even though that was a swamp not a mountain but let me have my quote you may Thank you're welcome you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's on Crunchyroll at the moment. They're simulcasting it. Um, so far, there's just been a couple of episodes. I was only able to watch the first one because the second one was um, premium <laughs> and I've not got a subscription at current times. But it's called Thunderbolt Fantasy and you should check it out if you think it sounds like fun. It sounds like fun It does. Me. It does. It sounds unique at the, at the very least. I'm... I'm just going to have to watch the whole thing to talk and write about it. It's one of those things that, like, yeah. this, oh, yes. this will be yeah. interesting to write about, so I need to watch it. Any yes, any, please. any kind of, like, old puppetry uh, techniques being married with, like, modern techniques and modern ideas is just really intriguing. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like, did you, did you, uh, do you remember a few years ago they made a Winnie the Pooh series? That was on like Playhouse Disney, I think. Oh, it's like the yes. only time I've ever like been excited to watch Playhouse Disney. Book <laughs> of Pooh, was it? Sorry, was it called Book of Pooh? It was. It was, <laughs> funnily enough, hilariously enough, called the Book of Pooh, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds like one of those sort of like edgy uh, picture books that you'd see. Uh, but no. Um, but like, go the F to sleep, that yeah, one. I was just <laughs> yeah, say yeah, that. Pretty, much, pretty much. But yeah, it, I remember that was, that was like in the papers and everything. Like, that was kind of a big ish deal because it was using some old Japanese um, Bunraku sort of puppetry style. Was it? I had no idea about that. Yeah, it's, it's really like, it's a really unique, like, a. Uh, Form of form of movement going on. Uh, I, I recommend checking it out. Uh, no, probably not to watch a whole episode, but just to see this unique style of puppetry 
mm. being utilised for a for a kids show. Is there sword fights in it? There's not. There's there's quite. I remember the jumping being a big part of it. Because it was kind of like, do you do you remember in in Labyrinth there are those things that uh, are sort of dancing in front of? Well, sorry, that doesn't really narrow it down, does it? I know what you mean. The um, the red thing, the, the red yeah? the red dudes who like take their heads off and play football with it and terrify poor poor Zara. Well, if anyone says. Do you remember in Labyrinth? The answer is always yes. Because yes. That film is seared on my my mind, on my very soul. Here, and, here. Well, you know. the, the puppets and Winnie the Pooh, Book of Pooh, are kind of like that in how mm-hmm. bouncy they are. Anyway. Nice. Yeah. Thunderbolt Fantasy. That's me, Dan. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm definitely going to check it out. Same. Sounds great. Because I love me some martial arts action and the fact what, that what, what I was going to... Sorry, sorry, Rachel, you cut out for a sec there. Oh, did I? Oh, I did. I was... Mm-hmm. I was just saying I love me some martial arts action, so I'm, I'm going to be checking it out very soon. Cool. Yeah, I, I got I to say, it reminds me of... Um, I don't know if we if we mentioned this, but it, it reminds me of the... Um, the sorts of like China doll faced uh, like dolls that became very popular or started becoming popular like a few years ago. I I saw them being sold at like anime conventions and things like that. Mm-hmm. Do you know yeah, what, I don't in- know what they're called. Does anyone know? No, sorry. No, just creepy dolls. Just 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 creepy dolls with like <laughs> with with really delicately intricately made um uh costumes i don't know that's not yeah, down. I, <laughs> they, they they do look like that that's true so that's what i've been watching <laughs> dan would you like to go next sure um okay what have i been watching well i watch harmon quest as well as you, as you know and I loved it. Um, it was... Uh, I know, I, I, I like animation when it... We all do. Like, when it's variety and it's trying something new. And I like this use of it. it like I said, it kind of reminded me of how the Ricky Gervais show was kind of enhanced by the visual jokes going on on top of the funny chats. Um... What else have I been watching? Let's see. Oh, I watched I watched an odd little episode of the old Lupin series, Lupin the Third. Oh, hey. Um, it was it was it was strange. I um, uh, um, I found this episode because the animation, uh, kind of. I saw a shot from it, basically, that looked well animated, and I went, oh, I'm going to watch the whole episode. And I haven't really seen many of them. And this one was really weird. It was, um... It was like the... It was kind of like a leader, sort of, like, based on Gaddafi, that mm-hmm. that Lupin kind of fights, and uh, it was really entertaining. I, I, uh... I, I, I really quite enjoyed it. It, um... 
it had great animation. It it was it was uh it was good. Oh I'm this is this is no good. You can't use this. This is uh this is useless. I don't have any notes. I don't know what I don't know what the title was or anything like that. <laughs> Why do I mention it? Um in better, more coherent news, I saw The Secret Life of Pets this morning. Um ah. a, cu- a couple of weeks late, I guess. Um, because I, I wanted to see it and it was, it was good fun. I, uh, I laughed a lot. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give a quick rundown. Um, I mean, the, the setup is basically the, the title, which is, which is great. Uh, Secret Life of Pets is what happens to pets when the owners leave for the day. Um, that's like that's like the elevator pitch version of it. Uh, it's it's a it's a movie made by Illumination, um, who who are sort of like the like I guess Universal's uh, current uh, um, big animation house that they're attached to that are making all their hits. Um, I haven't seen like many Illumination films. I saw, I think the last one I saw is Despicable Me Two, which was okay. I mean, I really liked Despicable Me. Actually, I thought that film was um, a really refreshing mix because uh, it had a lot of heart, but it also had like lots of great slapstick oh, animation yeah. in it that really reminded me of like Looney Tunes um, sort of stuff. Yeah, that's. I was a big fan of the very first Despicable Me too because of that. The, the slapstick was amazing. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think Illumination is sort of like really carving uh, their own corner, so to speak, with what they're with what they're focusing on, and it's and that is like just really funny, um, entertaining uh, movies, kind of in in a similar sort of Looney Tunes sort of cartoon world where you know, lots of liberties are taken with physics and believability and things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so the story, it, it revolves around this this uh, this little dog called Max, who is voiced by Louis C.K., um, who, who does a really good, like, performance. Uh, he really, he's really giving it his all and has lots of, lots of, lots of, lots of funny moments, who is basically the uh the the the, uh is is owned by this this woman who lives in new york um this this young woman who can't i don't believe that she can afford the flat that she has it's way too big (laughs) but anyway (laughs) that was that was my only hang up really um and she uh she, she she leaves every day and it's a really it's they 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 play with how the pets feel about the owners leaving, and um, I guess it. I think it's kind of too obvious to say, oh, they're ripping off Toy Story because they they really do think about things from the point of view of pets in particular. And if you have pets, there's lots of there's lots of funny um, nods towards things that owners do and how pets would react and you know, what they would think of how we are treating them in certain ways. Hmm. Um, like, the, 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 not anything dark at all, 
just certain things like the dog has no idea why his owner leaves every day. <laughs> he doesn't even begin to, you know, their their understanding of the human world doesn't extend to, oh, maybe she has a job and she goes out and she, she, she works all day. It's just, she leaves, she leaves me every day and it's painful. And when she comes back, it's brilliant. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh, that's it, really nice. I like that. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really funny. Um, so, uh, story. Um, we we spoke before, like just sort of speculating on the trailer that it seems like it's going to be most fun when they're just in the house because mm-hmm. the problem. I mean, I I guess from the audience perspective, right. When you hear these big concepts, you go, that sounds fun. That sounds great. And then you hear, oh, there's a bigger story attached. You, your eyes kind of glaze over a bit and you go, oh, really? That sounded really cute and fun. Like, do we really have to make it a big, uh, like, adventure film, like everything? And I got to say... Yeah, I believe that I, was our reaction when we first Yeah, and I got to say, I, the fact that the film does open out after... after if, a good while getting to learn about their world just buzzing around different apartments um it doesn't take away from the enjoyment at all because you go back home quite often in the movie uh yeah cool here and there so it's kind of it's it's cozily i don't know uh, uh, i don't know it's it's cozily domestic but overall let's sorry i'm i'm rambling <laughs> Um, it's it's a fun like caper movie basically. It's uh, the main character finds himself uh, in with a crowd who who are either going to eat him, um, un- unless he confesses that he killed his owner. Basically. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Sorry, that's that's quite a big spoiler, but um, so so he so he's basically pretending to play tough to get in with the tough crowd. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, it's okay. It's, 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 it's fun. It's fine. Um, it just about holds together over 90 minutes. Um, because the characters, whilst they have like relationships and the whole film is about Max dealing with this new big brown dog that his owner, um, takes home one day and suddenly it's, it's, it's kind of, it's a little bit like Toy Story, Actually, in that fact, where the main character is very happy at home, happy with his owner, and then, oh no, what's this? Uh, a new kid on the block. You know, this is this is, this is this is my town. You know, we're not going to be here for long. You're not going to be here for long. Kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah, I laughed a lot um, at the script, which is like got loads of great voice performances in um, Jenny Slate. Uh, uh, Louis C.K., Bobby Moynihan, um, Hannibal Buress, uh, and Albert Brooks, which I was surprised at uh, because he's also the voice of um, Marlin in, in Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. Oh, right. And his voice is so recognizable. But <laughs> I really believe that he was this character for this role and I wasn't thinking oh that's Albert Brooks so much that's great 
considering he um, was in just in another animated film that just came out recently also. So it's just like, oh. So oh, really? He can separate this. Well, well, I thought, you know, he said he was Marlin, so with Finding Oh, right, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, I thought you meant another one. No. Um, I mean, that's no Idris Elbow, but hey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the characters are, are, are fine. They're not really developed beyond, like, a little setup. They don't... And, and and this is this is basically coming down to what the film is. It's not it's intentionally not a Pixar film, basically. And that's really refreshing. Um <laughs> I saw it like in the morning at a really early well, early Sunday morning screening. Um and the vibe I was getting, I mean obviously like there were lots of um kids and parents there, but the vibe I was getting was it was like a Saturday morning like kind of cartoon experience where it was funny and there was a decent enough story to carry it. Um, but it wasn't necessarily trying to pull on your heartstrings and nor did, and I, and what I really respected about it is that it didn't try to either. It kind of knew that, I mean, we were saying earlier in the podcast that animation, I, I, what was, I can't remember if we were saying this, uh, off air or not, but animation is not a genre. And I think that extends to talking animal movies not being a genre mm-hmm. as well. <clears throat> and it doesn't. There's not a requirement for um, big, sweeping, emotional statements if the film is fun enough. And this one really is. It's it's um it's just a good good comedy, really. I mean, there's there's lots of great slapstick as well. I mean, there's really funny animation in this. Oh, then that's then it, then its illumination is playing to its strong point, which is exactly what they should be doing with their films. And so I'm really glad to hear that that's what they're that's the direction they're taking. Yeah, yeah. My my biggest laugh from the film was in a, a hilarious slapstick moment um, that I can't even begin to touch on. Otherwise, I'll spoil it. But let's say it involves something falling on someone. Oh boy! <laughs> and it really made me laugh. Um, yeah, the story is really light as they sort of travel from spot to spot, but it's, it's, I, t- I tell you what it is, it's like the animated movie equivalent of like a bag of Haribo, <laughs> where like everyone loves Haribo, everyone loves like gummy bears, but you're not expecting like a three course meal because no. you've chosen to eat gummy bears and it's fine that gummy bears are not a three course <laughs> The three course meal because they're not trying to be. They're just a sweet little candy. Exactly. So you know, um, it, it it was good. I enjoyed it, and uh, I think I think I'd like to see some more movies like this because they they're really it, it had a real confidence about it in terms of knowing exactly what it was going for and delivering it. And 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 also just from like an animation fan perspective, it looks so cool. The production design, I I really really love. They've got like this this cool thing going on where they um the spaces are sometimes three D three dimensional like rooms and you know bridges and things like that. But then sometimes there are these really cool shots where they're just sort of... They look almost 2D, how they're playing around with space. Um, like, there, there are lots of shots of 
New York City, which is where the film is set, um, where they just present like this really like abstract, like uh, stacked skyline um, to show how huge the skyscrapers are and how big and vast the city is. Wow. And like little moments like that are so cartoony that they work in the world that is being um, made for this movie and probably wouldn't work so well in, like, just for example, Finding Dory. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was, it was surprisingly, I got to say, surprisingly good. And I, I, I do recommend it. I would, I would say, though, um, just, just don't go in expecting... Um, going expecting a comedy, basically. Uh, yeah, I, I, I liked it, and I recommend it. Cool. And it's no wonder it's been making the money it has. Yeah, I mean, also, the ginormous marketing campaign probably doesn't hurt. No, certainly not. <laughs> yeah, it's been everywhere here. All the buses and the billboards and, you know, but... <laughs> Merchandising, merchandising, advertising, and 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 also it it is worth mentioning. Like I think, um, how great that it is uh, an original movie as well. Yeah. Uh, as as we were saying earlier in the podcast, it's not based on it's not a sequel of anything, and I'm sure we'll probably get a sequel. Oh, uh, it's gonna. <laughs> And and it's 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 set up in such a way that it wouldn't be cynical for there to be a sequel either. Mm-hmm. I think there are lots of adventures these characters can have, and that's probably why things are sketched out so lightly, perhaps. Mm-hmm. In terms of the character development. Well, there's going to be another original um, Illumination film this year, so. Hey. I'm, I'm, hey, I'm looking forward to that one too. Same. <laughs> I sort of I I came up with a theory, or I came up with a um, way you could kind of describe what Illumination do. They make films that you can basically cut up into viral clips and and put on the internet, and they work. <laughs> Is I, that? Like do you memes. know what? I I I think that's something that. Pardon me. They. Is an offshoot. Mm-hmm. I I think that's a little bit unfair to them because this movie does have moments that I mean would work well as vines, but they wouldn't work nearly as well without the context of the film around it. Ah, like okay. the funny the funny moments for me became funny because I was getting to learn what the characters were like and the situations they were in were funny. And taken out of context, it wasn't nearly as annoying. And I mean, there was actually before the movie started, there was a minion short, mm-hmm. and I didn't like it. It was, it was. I mean, it was fine, but it was. It depended on you inherently finding the minions funny, which I kind of don't. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, I can I can see why you're saying that. But also, uh, I think they're better than that. They they definitely have the potential to be much better than that. If they keep embracing the fact that they can do this really good slapstick and uh, just tie it in with a really 
with a relatively strong narrative and then you just you've got a really fun time i mean i i, I see what you're saying you know i really think that they're really carrying on like the looney tunes trend which is something that um animation has cg animation has been trying to do since like ice age i think yeah which was which had like very obvious tex avery and chuck jones influences going on um around it but i think part of that as well is is situation and scope and whilst chuck jones was a fantastic director and storyteller the scope of his shorts in particular didn't really outstay their welcome and they didn't uh have idea i mean it's I, I don't really know how to use fair language but they didn't have ideas above their station no they they, they, like you said, they knew exactly what they were doing that what they were set out to do when they made it they did it and you know no no trying to push the envelope they just succeeded what they set out to do which is really you know that in itself is admirable yeah, exactly. And and like we were saying before, like you you don't um like comedy movies, like slapstick comedy movies like a like the Wayne's World movies or the Austin Powers movies or I, you know, I can't think of anything else <laughs> apart from those now. Um you know, they they're they're funny and that's enough. And I think this movie for me was funny enough to to carry itself through. 21 Jump Street. 90 minutes. <laughs> I, I thought yeah. the comedy, sorry. No, no. <laughs> well, do you know what? I didn't mention that because I think those movies have great stories. And the only, the only thing that Illumination like really has in terms of a rival, I think, would be the sorts of like Lord and Miller mm-hmm. movies, which have great cartoon slapstick. And killer stories like Lord and Miller really really get story um, and they understand like how stories can fill 90 minutes and and carry an audience and characters through these funny situations mm-hmm. and also work on making them funnier uh, yeah I'd be interested to see what Illumination have lined up after Sing I think singing, in fact, is probably going to be something which has maybe the most realized characters of any Illumination movie. Hmm. Because the way, I mean, the, the, there was a trailer released, I think, this week. Um, and it really set up characters uh, in a way that implies they are, each is going to have like a, an arc. Um, okay. in, in, in the ensemble, it kind of reminded me like of a, of like a, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson sort of ensemble <laughs> cast movie. How it's like how they're how they're all kind of intertwined, but each person has, whilst they might not have like entire movie length uh, like character arc going on, there's enough to the character to carry them through the movie. Like in Boogie Nights or Magnolia. Hmm. There's a comparison I wasn't expecting to hear. Neither did I. <laughs> I mean, that was one I wasn't expecting to give. I mean, that's also speculation on 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 Sing, but hmm. 
yeah, single life pets. Go see it. Awesome. <laughs> My turn. Okay. Um, well, a couple things I was able to uh, watch and do and play this week. Um, the first thing that I finally able to watch after weeks and weeks of pestering on Twitter, I finally discovered that uh, an anime I've mentioned previously on the podcast, Kunomukuro, has finally gotten its release on Netflix after it premiered at a con, I think, this just a couple weeks a couple weeks back. Mm-hmm. And I managed to watch a good majority of season one. I haven't finished it yet, but I've gotten like at least a little more than halfway through. And it's just as awesome as I was hoping it would be. It's, nice. It, I love the premise. I love the characters, especially... Uh, Kenosuke. Yeah, just it's it's they do a lot of fish out of water, but uh, with him, but not to the point where it's just like where it gets a little annoying because you actually do see him start adapting relatively quickly to the new, you know, new technology and new you know everything of the modern Japanese century, and uh, to the point where it actually could be played up as a joke. Like there's this one scene, I think this one episode. Where um, one of our main heroines' uh, friends, uh, the main character's name is Yukina. One of her friends for the summer goes on a uh, goes to a convention cosplaying in a relatively scantily clad outfit, and Kenosuke mm. kind of just leans over. You know, he he looks it up on his phone that he has now, and then basically is like, "What the heck is she wearing? It's completely <laughs> it's completely ghastly." And then he proceeds to save the picture. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> he's from Feudal Times, isn't he? The main character? Or that, that guy that you're talking about? Yeah, Kenosuke. Just, just a recap. Yeah, just a recap for those of who have not uh, heard my description of this series already. Um, that is, uh, Kuroboko is a giant robot show, a giant mecha show, where um, this, uh, the, this UN base set in Japan, I forget which particular prefecture of Japan it is, but I know it's... Um, this dude that works on it, it's actually this, you know, the area that they're all from, and so that's part of the reason why they're doing this for the big anniversary for their studio. And, uh, they find a robot, this giant, like, you know, this giant thing, like, buried underground, and they start researching it, and they put it into their own research for making their own giant robots, and by the time of the series start, they have two of them. Well, all of a sudden... Giant robots start raining from the sky uh, from a giant sa- alien satellite that seems to be orbiting the planet. And uh, what they're looking for and what they're doing there, they're not entirely sure. But as a result of their coming, uh, they this the robot that they already had activates and out pops this uh, very stark naked uh, samurai... <laughs> and who then proceeds to declare, like, I will fight the demons and start fighting these robots, which he... Which is what they call the the giant robots. They call them uh, oni or Japanese demons. And he drags the poor uh, our poor heroine uh, Yukina to be his co-pilot because she has a striking resemblance to the princess that he used to serve. Uh-huh. So it's still not entirely sure. Like this, it, the series seems like for its first season, like it's building up to like this really big revelation or big like climactic moment. But at the le- very least, through this build-up, I like how they're handling the characters. Like, um, 
throughout the entire time while uh, Yukina is being dragged on this whole thing, she gets very, you know, upset. So it's like, I never asked for this. I'm just a regular high school student, you know? <laughs> I, all I want to do is go to Mars. That is my dream. That, that, that's literally all she put down for her. Like, okay, what do you, what is you, what are your career expectations, Yukina? And she's like, I would like to go to Mars. <laughs> yeah, like every high schooler. I, it's just, it's a very very good chemistry with the characters, and I like to see them work off each other, especially as uh, more crazy uh, scenarios are sent their way with all these different giant robots showing up and learning more about the uh, these um, extraterrestrials that are trying to look for something and causing all manner of destruction while they are looking for something. And uh, just trying to pick apart what that is, what their intentions are, and then our characters reacting to those situations and coming to grips with what, you know, they have to do. But it's, it's, and it's, it's really, really entertaining. The animation's great. Um, I can't say I'm that big of a fan of the robot designs, at least the main one. But at least all the other, like, the main uh, giant mechas that you see, they all have at least, like, one kind of creative design about them. Which is which is really cool, but it's it's really the characters and the whole setup and the mystery that's really got me hooked. So I'm looking forward to seeing all the way to the end of the uh, the first season, and then see if what the second season is going to do from there, and how when they're going to release that. So if you if, if you want to check out Kuromukuro, it is on Netflix. I believe, and all worldwide, nice. so go oh, ahead and check oh, it out. worldwide? Yep, worldwide. Cool. It is, I know it's in the UK as well, so mm-hmm. I've seen it there. And last but certainly not least, um, I was tooling around YouTube, and I've already been a follower of uh, if Extra Credits, a particular YouTube channel and website that talks about video game developing. And there's a new series uh, started by one of their members, uh, Daniel Floyd, who is a video game animator, and he is doing a little mini-series called Extra Frames, talking about different uh, video games and how they uh, handle certain aspects of animation, and kind of going in a bit of an in-depth look about how they handle certain aspects of that animation. And he did an episode recently on animation timing and featuring Shadow of the Colossus from the PS2, from the PlayStation 2. And it was really good analysis, but it also made me uh, pick up the game again and take a look at, you know, my own look, in-depth look at the animation for the different colossi and the different aspects of, you know, traveling from one point to the other in the video game and the animation cycles for, like, say, the main character's run or the horse. And it's just, it's, it's really interesting to be able to get to look at this game again, even though it's fairly old, I almost a, almost a decade now, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's really kind of interesting to take a, you know, after all this time to take another, like, really closer look at it, and after, you know, listening to that particular uh, piece, and it's just, especially when it came, when it comes to the actual, like, how they were able to get the Colossi to just feel absolutely massive. With the different yeah, camera work. The, the guy who, the guy who did it, he did another video, um about Overwatch before Overwatch was released um, mm-hmm. talking about the animation in that and the way he's 
I mean, these videos are kind of long. Like, they're about half an hour, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but if you're interested, the Overwatch one is one of the best explanations of animation principles in practice that I've seen, like, ever, really. Um, wow. When it com- just, just when it comes to explaining things clearly and explaining why certain things are important and what makes something more suitable for animation. Uh, mm-hmm. And especially when it comes to character, I, I, I thought that was great. I've only seen the Overwatch um, yeah. uh, video that he made, but yeah, man, Shadow Colossus. I, I don't know about you, but like when that came out, it, it was just like a whole summer. <laughs> it no, seems like yeah. I just spent playing that game and uh, replaying it... Um, with my friend and I mean it was it really was like one of the first times that personally I played a video game and I really um was able to really sink into the world in a really it was it's a really immersive game it's really atmospheric um but like you're like you're saying the thing that blew me away the most was just how huge the colossi or colossus is Colossopodes felt. Um, However, you pluralize Colossus. Yeah, <laughs> Colossopi. Um, they and 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 that's one thing in animation which is which has been. Uh, I, I I haven't seen the video, so sorry if I'm kind of stating the obvious to you or or, repeat, right. or repeating the video. But um, one of the things that animation has to work really hard at is scale. Uh, Describing something that is huge and describing something that is small all has to do with how you describe weight Mm -hmm. and how weight is shifting. It's something that um, actually Miyazaki is really good at. It's why um, things like the Laputa work as well as they do because the airships feel huge. Mm-hmm. Because they move, they don't move. They're not agile in how they move. They're big, lumbering things. And when you see something that's huge, you kind of expect it to move really slowly. Um, it's something that the Pixar movies work really, really hard at as well. Um, I mean, I've, sorry, it's it's just something that's pretty universal to all animation. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you see it in such an extreme as you do in Shadow of Colossus. Um, there was a lot of hard work that went into. Yeah, it's it's just phenomenal. It it works so well. Yeah, it's one of the things that impressed me the most about Lisa, though, what he drew attention to that I had to make sure I, you know, when I was playing it on my own to, to try and take another look at was just part of the reason they they sell that scale is because each and every movement that those colossi make, at least the the ones that are really freaking huge, it's always very slow. methodical movement like they're just kind of these big things are just kind of lumbering around you see that whenever they're you're interacting with them or watching them move it's just like you know they take very slow paces and every time they you know say the foot connects to the ground you you know the controller shakes you see the the camera vibrate to give off the illusion of the fact that it's shaking the earth just by moving yeah i mean also especially with the big ones 
I'm sure it probably worked into it being a bit of a game mechanic that they were moving so slowly that um, that you could uh, kind of predict what they were going to do next because almost like I has a, do you know in um, in dancing you have the the idea of a check mm-hmm. which is when you sort of you indicate what your next move is going to be to your partner yeah. I wonder if there isn't that sort of thing happening in the mechanics of Shadow of Colossus where because the things are so huge and they're moving so slowly, you can kind of get a sense of what they're going to do next because of a little check in one direction before they swing a giant leg round. Yeah, sometimes. And I think that's part of the reason why the game is so much, you know, at least when it comes to those particular fights, like... That's why they're still fun because you can, after fighting them for a little while, you can kind of predict of how they're, you know, through certain tells in their movement. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm losing my voice. Um, to see, like, okay, well, I'm if I do this, that'll make the Colossus respond thusly, and then you can mm-hmm. use, manu- use that to maneuver around it and get to a place where you can try and make, you know, connect the sword to the head and. <laughs> because that's how you kill a majority of them is you climb onto the heads and you stab them, but. Yeah, do you know? What? I I think also these these attentions to detail are why things last as well because you're never going to be able to keep up with the advances in like lighting and graphics mm-hmm. and processing power. So I mean, this is for me what is so amazing about um, the games made by that team. Um, Ico uh, or Eco and yeah, Shadow of Colossus. Oh, t- yeah. Sorry, it is. They're called Team Ico, aren't they? Um, mm-hmm. The thing that's so cool about their games is is they last because they're focusing on things like timing and animation and the idea of weight and uh, more stylized um, expressions and in, in lighting that they're not trying to depend on the processing power of the machines that they're using, but they're, they're just making really good games that are using, um, uh, like fundamental techniques that are kind of traditional. Yeah. In the same way that you can still watch Pinocchio today and the, you know, you feel the full weight and force of the whale because it was animated using exactly these same uh, uh, principles and techniques. Definitely. And it's, it's it, and really when you come down to it, because the story of Shadow of the Colossus is really, there isn't that much dialogue. I mean, there's a, bit, a bunch of expository dialogue in the beginning, but then after that, you know, it becomes really just kind of like a silent, almost like a silent film. You're just going from Colossus to Colossus trying mm. to succeed in this, you know, the main, goal, uh, main goal of the main character, which is to revive his uh, lost, I would think, lost love, or I don't think it's really specific specified if it's if it's really that's the kind of relationship they had. But uh, still, it's just, after that point, it's just, you know, it just kind of lets the gameplay and the animation kind of speak for itself in terms of telling the story. And and, and also, I think, because it's, it's free of dialogue, it really allows you to sink into it a lot more. Mm-hmm. You're not hearing voices define these characters and and in like that sort of typical way that video games 
certain video games allow you to do, you really feel like you're role playing the character, mm-hmm. and you are the one like uh, riding the horse across those giant, endless plains, uh, and not you know, and not having it interrupted with more specific indicators of who this person is, like mm-hmm. a voice. Yeah, it's it's really it's it's all of these little things that really kind of cement this game's you know status as like as a, as a classic in terms of both video game just general game mechanics and in animation too. So in that particular hindsight, I'm really I'm really eager to see how their next game, uh, <laughs> The Last Guardian, when it finally is released sometime in the near future, is how that's they can take as long the as they want. They can take as long as they want because I know it's yeah. gonna. I mean, keep it if it if it needs ten more minutes in the oven, then I trust the chef. Yeah, I, I agree. Though I will, I will make a quick remark in, ter- in terms of the difference of animation between what I've seen of The Last Guardian and Shadow of the Colossus. At least from the footage that they've shown at E3, it looks like at, there might be at least for the main character for that game. It looks like there might be a bit more experimentation with actually having the characters make expressions because i know in both uh like facial expressions yeah like uh, the facial rig might be a bit more complex because i remember Uh, i certainly remember with uh ico and uh shadow the colossus because of the nature of those games they you didn't really need to look at the main characters faces to get in you know to become emotionally invested in this story so that that's what they kind of they might have more of a limited rig of what they could do with the character expressions, but I think that with the, from what I've seen at the E3 footage, it looks like they might might be experimenting a little bit more with that, but we'll have to wait and see. Awesome, and and the uh, I can't wait to check out that video. Um, what's the name of the guy who who did it again? His name's Daniel Floyd, and he is uh, the series is called Extra Frames uh, as part of the Extra Credits YouTube channel. But no, yeah, that's uh, that's what I've been up to, and uh, watching and playing this uh, this past week. Okay, awesome. I think that about wraps us up. Yeah, we've covered a lot today, um, and it's been an interesting experiment on a technical level. Um, <laughs> hopefully, you won't know. Has. You won't notice anything, and maybe it will just sound better. I don't know. Let us know. Um, but you can follow everything that we do on animationforadults.com. You can follow us on Twitter at AFA Blog. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Tumblr, Pinterest, and Google Plus, and Instagram. And you can also join our official Facebook group now. And you can follow me personally at Mr. Crystal on Twitter and on Facebook. And Rachel? You can follow me on Twitter at Failty Ninja. And Dan? And you can follow me on Twitter at Hamu. Okay. And if you're interested in getting more bonus content from us and helping us create more stuff and other exciting things that are coming down the pipeline, then consider heading over to our Patreon page. And we will catch you very soon for another episode of the AFA podcast. So thanks for joining us and good night, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye.